What's up, Dirty Cones? So, on today's podcast, I have a very good friend of mine. His name's Mark. He's been on a bunch of the YouTube videos with me. He's never, we don't show our faces because uh, we're too handsome. And uh, But Mark is a very, very good friend of mine. He's been very helpful, very knowledgeable. He's a um, retired senior NCO from the Air Force. He now has a job where he makes things, builds things, helps people get power to things, and is responsible for a lot of things. And whenever I have a question or need help, or if I just want to go talk to somebody who knows things, like, Mark, I really enjoyed our talk yesterday where we were just chatting and, and talking about everything. Uh, but his name is Mark. He's a very good friend of mine, and uh, I welcome him to the program. Hello. Thank you, Mike. Thank you. This is awesome. I've been... Um... Wondering why you haven't invited me sooner, but I think you you uh, hit it on the nose earlier, or you, you wanted the same thing. So here we are, right? <laughs> here we are. <laughs> but all is good. All is good. I appreciate you putting me on here and just having discussions about open general stuff, specifically, you know, whatever your agenda today, you know, calls for. But um, yeah, let's let's get started. So you you sent me an email. And uh, I, I I really enjoyed the result because if if Mark doesn't have the answer, he knows someone who does have the answer. So I think that's a wonderful – I'm almost there. Like I, I know more people who have answers than I have the answer. But I, I feel like I'm, I'm working my way up to you, babe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, guys ask me questions, I've had to come up with more of the scientific answers. You know, when, when I was a student, I just put my head down and got through it. But as I've gotten older, the, the students ask better questions. You know, so like you said, I got to stay yeah. in the books and I have to stay learning and adapting and growing. Otherwise, you're stale and you get left behind. You know, you're, you're IBM, you know, or Thrifties or think of any store Sears Kmart that's gone out of business because they went stale and they didn't stay hungry. Yeah, and a good testament to that is when COVID nineteen hit, <clears throat> those who are willing to change and learn and how to do run a business or or sell or produce or whatever it was, they got creative, they got smart, and they said, I'm gonna make this work. And those who are complacent, stagnant, as you say, yeah. uh they're out of business, you know, so there's, you know, the online stores, and then there's the 
delivery, and then there's, you know, whatever it took to make it work, those stores who are cash only, you know, whatever it was, you couldn't do online stuff. That's what we're talking about is, you know, finding an answer, doing your homework, and then asking somebody who has an answer to say, hey, I need your help. That's what it is, right? And, and don't be afraid to ask for help. I mean, don't... And that's got to be taught early on, right? Yeah. That's one of the things that, yeah. But but don't overburden. Like, I, I wouldn't call you every five minutes to be like, hey, Mark, hey, Mark, hey, Mark. Hey, Mark. You know, you like, <laughs> yeah. I, I have a, a good yeah. question. I'm ready to answer. Maybe I've got some follow-up <laughs> because I know that you're, you're not just going to be like, oh, okay. You know, you're going to have some questions. Well, what's it made of or what's it cost or what do you know so yeah. far? Yeah. yeah. And that, and that, segues us into our segment of people trying to invent something, right? Right. Segue into that now? Uh-huh. Yeah, so so that goes, that statement goes a long way when someone is trying to invent something. And early on, being creative and ingenious and ingenious, you know, I, I had some some family members. They have their own inventions. They, you know, did business and stuff. But at the same time, that wasn't taught to me. And if it was, you know, it was, wow, look at Uncle So-and-so. He's, you know, invented this machine at the winery for Gala Wines, and it does all this stuff, et cetera, et cetera. I'm like, wow. You know, but I never thought to go ask him, what's the process? How did you come up with that? And how did you, you know work with vendors and suppliers and, and any, any, anybody and everybody, or was it a company effort versus a sole effort on yourself? Right. Big difference being an inventor for a company and being an inventor for yourself. So that's, that's the question. Because you, we met through um, Taco right. on your idea. And he's like, hey, I got a guy for you. So call <laughs> and, and that's who you called me. Right? Yep, that's right. why we started talking. <laughs> yeah, you, you had all these ideas, and you're like, wow, and, and you're, you know, saving the world at the same time, and, and I was like, wow, that, that's a good question, and I, and I had some answers, and actually, that was what, how many years ago, was that five years ago? Five years ago. Five, <laughs> five years ago, and we followed up with that, one of our last conversations this month, I think, where... I told you that there's houses in Texas that are doing exactly that, recycling their brown water. So there's there's obviously fresh water, brown water, black water. And brown water is just dirty water you use, like, from your sink and stuff. Black right. water is, is contaminated with, like, feces and all waste, you know, nasty stuff. Yeah. Right? So we talked, we, we brought that full circle. It took five years, but we brought it full circle. And, <laughs> yeah, there's a company you know, kind of doing that, recycling your, your water from your house. Um, but it's a process. I mean, I know of the process, you know, what happens, and I was like, wow, you know, if you get the money to take this on, great. But that's not something back then that I envisioned you tackling because as we get further into inventions, you know, are you willing to invest in time and engineering and money to make that happen, because an idea is one thing. Executing that idea, that's a whole different ballgame. Right. You know? So. What, it makes me think, like, the only people that can run for Congress, you know, you have to be a millionaire. It You almost have to. Elon Musk. I mean, I'm I'm not sure how or where completely started. He didn't start poor. But, like, to invent things, you have to have time to think about things. So you need to already have money or have, you know, a benefactor who sees something in you and says, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll bankroll this guy. Yeah. But how many people have the money to, to build their, you know, their million-dollar 1999 invention, you know? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and I'll, I'll tell you, I mean, two scenarios. One is um, one of my uncles, he, he, uh, he wasn't poor, I mean, but at the same time, he invented several things. He owned body shops. He owned body shops. He was a he was a body guy. He did painting and body, you know, for vehicles. This was in the eighties when I was growing up. I worked part time for him doing stuff. But I always admired him. And very ingenious, hardworking guy. And he invented a frame straightener. You know, 
when when the insurance company says, "Oh, you know, your your car's totaled," it's because your frame was compromised. Right. Okay. It's too expensive to fix your car um, because your frame. There's no way to truly put your frame back together. It's a steel piece of you know either unibody or, or um, I don't know what they call the other the other type of, of vehicle, but so. He invented, hey, I'll, I'll straighten out the frame. And he invented this machine that basically straightened it out. And he could, you can use a laser. He, he wasn't using lasers at the time in the early 80s. He was using basically beads on a, on a string right? Uh, or, or, or bearings on a, on a couple strings where they would float in the middle. It was very, very sensitive, but he would nail it down to where he would straighten them out. So guys wow. were going to him left and right. He didn't have the money to patent it. He didn't know how to patent it. And years later, like today, you know, that thing is all over the place using lasers. So he's not mad at that. I mean, he made his money and was happy at the end of the day. But then looking back in conversations with him, he had another idea that, and unfortunately, you know, bless his heart, he passed away um, and had COVID um, Mm -hmm. last year. But one of the things that he called me on, and he doesn't call me very often, but <laughs> word in our family gets around that, hey, you need to call Mark, you need to call Mark. <laughs> and yeah, yeah so, so my um, uncle called me out of the blue, and I didn't even know who it was. You know, I, I was like, I started talking, he's like, hey, how you doing? Hey, you know, blah, blah, blah. I didn't even know who it was. We hadn't talked so long. And, and we didn't introduce each other because he knew who he was calling, but I felt I think we've all been there, right? And you talk long enough, you'll figure out who it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so basically, this next idea that he had, one of many, was was he developed a, a fire extinguisher system for race cars, for for NASCAR, for race cars, whoever it was, and he was going to partner with a couple people, and Lucas Oil had approached him, and supposedly, and offered him. You know, 40%. They said, we'll give you 40% of everything, and we're going to take it off your hands and, and fully develop it and implement it, et cetera. And he turned it down. Oh. And I said, why did you turn it down? Because, oh, it's worth more than that. It's worth so much more than that. And, you know, 40% of all the, the you know, revenue they bring in, and this, I, I, don't, I don't know anything about that, but it's worth more than that. And I said, at the end of the day, I said, look, you've got nothing versus 40%. You don't have the engineering capability to, to produce this. You don't make it 100% safe and, you know, and, and approved, you know, with vehicles, et cetera. Because it wouldn't just be for NASCAR. It could be for multiple of other things, too. Right. So, yeah, so I said, you, you don't have that kind of money. Let them do it. Take your money and run, you know, yeah. and then with that money, you can do other stuff. Yep. It would have been a trickle effect over time where he would have millions of dollars, you know? Yeah. But he held out, so he did nothing rather than something, and died poor in that sense, you know, with regards right. to that invention. So going back to inventions, knowing how and when to say, I'm not emotionally attached to this product, Here's what I can get. Here's what I can't get. It's time to just sell it outright. Or if you know how to negotiate and partner and get further involved, be a, a consultant with that company and, you know, maybe negotiate a position with that company to get paid. But that's the thing that people don't know. You know, they have a great idea, but there's so much more to that. Not, not just, does this already exist? Is this safe? Is this something that, you know, needs FDA approval? Is this, you know, I mean, there's just all kinds of facets. So what I do typically when someone calls with an idea, I can either, within the first five minutes, let them understand that, yeah, this is great, or, yeah, this is going <laughs> to take a lot of work. I wish, I wish you luck right. and have a nice day. You know, but if I could walk them and help them walk through some things and it is a good product, I'll sign a non-disclosure, non-compete with them, and I'll say, look, I'll help you to a certain point, but at some point, my time is of value, too. 
Right. So, you know, that's why, you know, a lot of people, they sit on their, their inventions for years and they don't do anything because there's either, and, and no one else comes with it, comes up with it either because it's either not worth the time and effort or it's just way too deep, you know, beyond them and they don't know where to go. So that's where, you know, consulting comes in. The side hustle comes in to say, how much are you willing to, you know, <laughs> defend this product? So, yeah. I mean, a good another good example, one real quick one is um, another family member, he invented something for gardening, you know, and I told him straight out, you know, he wanted a patent just to have a patent. He told me. And I'm like, well, that's not a good reason to have a patent and waste thousands of dollars because you could do... You could pay for a patent application and send it in without doing a patent search um, and, and throw these thousands of dollars out. But I will tell you, if you decide to pay a lawyer thousands of dollars to do the filing and do the research, and it comes back that, yeah, this is patentable, go ahead and patent it. Now, you're pretty much obligated to go sell this thing make it, sell it, find out how to produce it, et cetera. But if you don't have the right contacts, and I do, let's say I'm a competitor, a sleazeball competitor that says, I'm going to copy yours, and I got the, the, I have the ability to produce this in masses, I'm going to go to Home Depot, Lowe's, the garden centers, tractor supply, wherever, and I'm going to make it and start selling it. Now, if you have a lot of money, then you're either wasting your money and not doing it correctly, or you can take me to court and say, hey, cease and assist, this is my patent, you know, what, what are you doing? Take me to court. But keep in mind, if that product, let's say, costs $20 on the shelf of the store, because it costs, let's say, $10 to make or whatever the margins are, let's say it's pennies on the dollar, if you haven't made any money from selling this yet, but yet you're going to go spend tens of thousands of dollars in court, that's ass backwards. You're now dumping a lot of money to defend something that you really don't know how to sell or produce or protect yourself with. So that's where, you know, again, I come in and say, look, you really want to patent this? China could just copy this in a heartbeat or someone who has you know, production capability from China and start selling this, you don't have money to take them to court. Right. Now, there is a twist to this. There is a smart twist that I heard about years ago, and that's where a guy with money, with a company, let somebody copy his patent, his idea. They did all the marketing. They started selling it. They were making money left and right. He's like, yep. Now I'm going to take you to court because you've already done all the marketing for me, <laughs> and now I'm going to take. And now I'm going to take all your revenue that you made, and now I'm going to take you to court and take all that. So essentially, what he did is he played the game for himself, and that person basically let them do the marketing, let them build it out there, and all he had to do was, you know, go change a few names and you know go to a few stores and say, yeah, I'm your new supplier and this and that. And so. So yeah, there's there's absolutely um, worthwhile talking to somebody who knows something, even if it's just a little bit. You got to make the effort to say, is this idea worth patenting? Do I have an, an emotional attachment, or is this something that's really worth chasing? And where do I go next? So that's in a nutshell. You know, when we talk about you know inventions to mention. Don't mention it to anybody. Keep it to yourself unless you, you unless you have a non disclosure, non compete, or someone you really trust. Yeah. And you know, fortunately, we have that. But a lot of people don't, and they, you know, because when you fill out an invention, at least on the corporate side, we have to mention every single person that we discuss this with when we discuss it, in case it goes to court. You know, well, we discussed it on November third. You know, two years ago. And this guy came out with it November 10th. He filed for a patent. Right. So, yeah, let's take that guy to court. Um, I mean, that's pretty common. Otherwise, you know, commercially, um, it, it's kind of scary. But even corporations. I have patents with, you know, our company, and 
you know, our, our lawyers are like, well, did the guy that copied your patent, Mark, did you tell him it was patented? Is it on data sheets and brochures that it has a patent number? Did you inform them? And I'm like, well, no. Mm. And they're like, well, um, how much revenue do you make on this? So these are our corporate lawyers that, that, that would defend us. Right. Do you make a million dollars a year, you know, for us to go after these people? And I'm like, look, I just want you to fire a letter across their bow saying, cease and assist. This is patented by, by so-and-so, so-and-so. They wouldn't do it. And I'm like, wow. So even patents that are that are patented, if it's a good patent, uh, maybe maybe your upper management or whoever doesn't see eye to eye with you, and they're like, well, you know, we're, we're not going to use that. You know, maybe you know more than them because that's the world you live in and that's all your experience that you brought to that particular company. Mm-hmm. Uh, in my case, it was a merger, you know, so I was doing a lot of things that, you know, just got pushed aside or, you know, wasn't my responsibility anymore. But um, I, I was disheartened. I was like, well, just send a letter. You know, yeah. that's what I would do if I was, you know, running this, another small company or any company. But, yeah, there's so many, so many stories, so many tales to tell. But any young person, when I say young, I mean, it could be a kid. It could be, you know, someone coming, you know, with an age, um, Military, non-military, doesn't matter. You know that that advice is that sage advice and candor, if you will. And to be blunt, you know sometimes they don't want to hear it, or they don't trust someone. They just need to find someone. So that's why, you know, this this ranch I keep talking about in, in Texas. You know, my five-year plan uh, to move out there. Part of the, part of the, you know, services, if you will, or consulting or you know, nonprofit side or however I set it up will be to, you know, have workshops, you know, with for inventions and, and anything for, for kids to mm. come in. And it'll be donations on, on that side of the house. It won't be, you know, pay a club fee and use all the tools and support I have, yeah. et cetera. I mean, that's, that's one of the aspects. But, but I think it's sorely needed. I think, you know, people just need to do their homework and figure stuff out as much as they can for themselves and then start asking questions. Like you said, ask questions to ask questions. And I want to go back to something you said earlier. Um, well, there's a bunch of things you said that I want to hit on, but I'll start from the beginning. Um, your uncle not getting what he thought it was worth per se, but how many people, um, it's all or nothing. I want it all or n- n- nah. Yeah. And, and then, and you, you have to, Little finger holds, little hand holds, big, I mean, and just work. And then, like you said, work up that momentum to where, okay, maybe this, I'm only getting 40%, but now I have the money, the time, the resources. So my next invention, I, I get uh, 60% or I get 80% or even if I only get 50%, you know, but I just keep knocking them out and 40 and 50 and 90 and, uh, and you know, next thing you know, You've got all those different revenue sources. You know, you, you don't want your eggs all in one basket. So if you can have different money coming from different places, um, I think that helps you in the long run, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, I think if the I, I think when I got out of the Air Force, um, I had a neighbor that was telling me exactly what my uncles told me, and I did remember this from my my elders. <laughs> They said, Mark, don't rely on, you know, a corporation to pay your way, you know, when you retire. The 20 years, the gold watch, that doesn't exist anymore, mm-hmm. you know. So, and they're right on target. I mean, so having a multitude of revenue streams um, early on was the goal, you know. And when I met up with my neighbor, when I first bought a house in Dixon, California, my first neighbor um, older, older gentleman, really nice guy, Howard. He's like, yeah, you know, we started talking about, you know, finances, like, how you doing? He was kind of mentoring me a little bit uh, and just throwing stuff out there that I was appreciative. Not many people, you know, neighbors, you know, just openly start talking to me about, you know, finances. But right. We weren't talking about salaries. We were talking about, are you set for the future? Are you going to be okay to retire? When do you plan on retiring? That was his his uh, conversation starter, you know, if you will. And I said, well, I think so. And I, it, I was talking to him. He's like, well, let me tell you what, what I did. 
And he told me what he, again, we're not talking specific amounts, we're talking about revenue streams and types of revenue streams. Right. And I was like, wow, you have like four revenue streams coming in for your retirement. That is awesome. Now, most cities and states, because what happened was he was retired Air Force as well. Um, then he went to the county. Then he went for <laughs> right. county. And then, or state, county, and... and GS, um, like whatever, just fine. Yeah, yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you see that for yourself, you know, be honestly. Um, the more the merrier. And Texas is very, very good with, with veterans, you know, themselves, so... That's why, you know, that move to Texas down the road um, needs to happen. Because California just kills me on taxes. And I don't want them to put the nail in the coffin while I'm I'm here. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's turning crazy. So anyway, but yeah, I mean, that's that's multiple revenue streams. And and learn how and and when and, and don't put all your eggs in the basket. But you're right. I mean, it's definitely... Uh, find ways to take advantage of what you learned and and learn to negotiate. Right. That's the one thing, learn to negotiate. Most countries, as you know, you've been around the world as well, you go to these second, third world countries, I don't care, I don't care where you're shopping, it's about negotiation. Yeah. Tell, they, tell me a country, you know, you can name five off the top of your head. They're all about, you know, negotiating. It could be the mall in Saudi Arabia. It could be, you know... The market, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, in Turkey, it could be anywhere. They're all about... You know, there's a finite point where they know exactly how low they're going to go, but you don't. You're new to the country. You know, let alone trying to figure out the damn currency exchange. It's like, okay, wait a minute. Um, You know, I mean... You're insulting them. (laughs) Right. Don't insult them. It goes back to, like you said, negotiation, communicate. I mean, most people are lacking on their communication skills. I was, you reminded me, um, I bought a, a Bowie knife from the Vietnam War, and the guy was asking 150 and And it's a beautiful knife. I mean, the big Bowie knife. And I, I offered him 125 And he said most people have been telling him 75 50 but he he felt that my offer was a was a I felt it was fair to me and I felt it was fair to him, and and yeah. so he took it and 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 he thanked me for like being polite and not you know insulting him yeah. by saying I'll give you twenty five bucks yeah. for it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he did have he knew its value to the right person. You were the right person because you knew what it was. You have a connection more so than anybody else off the street that just wants a Bowie knife, right? Know? A big knife, if you will. A big knife. <laughs> so you gave, you gave, yeah, you, yeah, you gave him a fair offer in your mind, and not something just to get it cheap. Yeah. Right. I mean, to you, you're like, you know, it, it is worth something, um, and it's worth a little bit more to you. But the guy has, you know, some investment in it too, and he's trying to get as much as he can. Right. Yeah, I mean, I do, I do that without thinking about it. And guys are like, oh, we could have got it cheaper, my wife, Patty. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, but at the same time, you know, we might have to come back here. This this has to do with anything just about it. It can right. be like selling plants around the corner where i got to come back. I don't want them to... I don't want him to see me coming up the driveway and say, oh, this asshole. This guy's just going to beat me up. You know, I mean, yep. some people... So, some people, that's their side hustle. That's how they make a living. Yep. You know, I'm not trying to deprive somebody of that. I, I, I encourage it. But at the same time, you know, yeah. Yeah, so I, I agree with you. I and mean, that's, as long as you're happy with the deal, he's happy with the deal, you made his day. Yeah, right. And and that reminds me of, I, when I tell people, I'm like, when you do something, you're in the military, is it good for the Air Force and is it good for me? If the answer is it's good for the Air Force and it's good for me, hey, that's good. If it's good for the Air Force and eh, it's okay, at least it's good for somebody. But when it becomes what's good for me and maybe it's good for the Air Force or eh, it might help the Air Force a little bit, but mostly it's about me. When when you change that thought process of – because I, I feel that you are more of a what's good for the country, what's good for the Air Force, what's good for uh, the, the company I'm working for. Is it good for me? Okay, yeah. that's that's cool. 
versus uh, I don't get from you the – and I think that's a totally different mindset for someone that's, is it good for me and is it good for me, is it good for me, is it good for me, and and that's the wrong question. I mean, it's not about making money. I mean, I, I, I do well, but at the same time, I know that I'm providing something that, um, like, early on when I was hired, I, I asked the owner, I was, I, okay, so I'll tell a quick story of when I was hired. Um, I was managing a, a friend's construction company, and, I was, and he had a granite company as well. And I love the, the natural stone, you know, granite, marble, slate, anything to do with, you know, stones coming out of the earth, imported from Brazil, China, Mexico, wherever it was. And these big, giant slabs are just beautiful. And every project I went on, I mean, I had a vested interest to be with the owners when it was installed. I'd give them, you know, help, uh, talk to them about, you know, further about their stone, how to protect it, how to seal it, you know, how often to do that. But this one gentleman, he had an aircraft connector on his home office desk. And I said, you know, so and so, I said, what are you doing with that connector on your desk? He's like, what the hell do you know about this connector? Because it's a very specific connector, specific to aircraft. And I said, well, I, you know, was in the Air Force, I'm, I'm out now, and I do this and that, blah, blah, blah. He said, I need to come visit and talk to my business partner. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay. I was like, wow, okay, I'll, I'll go talk to him. I wasn't really looking for a job, but I could have started my career earlier, and, and I chose to go to school and help my mom a little bit and and help my brother and all of his company. But helping this friend with his granite company, I was like, well, I can do this for a long time because I'm happy, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, I met, his, I met his partner. He's like, hey, look, if you can give me a business plan, we're willing to give you X amount of dollars. And my initial thoughts were, okay, uh, I'll come at you with a business plan, but I'm going to come at you also with a proposal of what I want. Little did I know, as, as much as I wanted, as much as I put down there, from car allowance at the time to whatever it was, I left money on the table. I didn't think they were that generous, and they right. weren't. So they saw something that I didn't. But the business plan I gave them in 1997, uh, still in effect today, most of that plan, I mean, I keep it on my desk, but it's the first business plan that they had to handle all the government military operations. Um, and it's basically effective even globally. It just has to be tailored, obviously, as most plans do. But from that point on, I was I was happy. I've been there now twenty four years. I've been with the company. So where are we going with this? Well, well, no, 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 no. It's it's, it's good. It's good because what I wanted to say was it's it's back to the value. Like you you you'll they say that you'll never really get paid what you're worth, but oh, yeah, yeah, you yeah. should ask for what you think that you're worth, and and you never know. You might be able to. Be, I have a, a friend who she was. Uh, they wanted her to take another job. They they wanted to offer her this amount of money. She didn't think it was enough, so she countered with, this is what I would like, and she felt that it was kind of uh, extravagant, and she was asking for a lot, but they came back with that and more. And yeah, she was yeah, like, exactly. oh, my God, you know, like, wow. And and I think of you, you know, so ask what you're worth. Don't be afraid to, I mean, I'm not telling you not before. I'm saying for the people yeah, listening, yeah. don't yeah, be afraid yeah. to ask for what you want or what you think uh, the value is. Yeah. The worst thing we yeah, can say yeah. is no. Yeah. There, you know, there's a funny, 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 funny joke. I, I, I wish I could remember it. You know, I, it, it would have been great and apropos for this <laughs> podcast. But it was so funny. It was about basically an, uh, a new hire, you know, asking for you know, this huge salary and the employer basically saying, wow, you know, well, yeah, we can give you a car and this and an apartment and, and send you, you know, twice a year around the world, you know, vacation and this and that. And the guy goes, really? He goes, no. He goes, well, why would you say that? He goes, well, you started it with that ridiculous salary. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, that's the gist of it. But, yeah, 
happy with what I got. I was happy. I was motivated and still motivated, still happy. But at the end of the day, I realized, okay, you you have to come to grips when you get into an industry, if it's your desired industry, of what the limitations are. You know, then you have to come to grips with what are your limitations that they're giving you. Not necessarily glass ceiling. I'm talking about responsibilities. Right. Because some people could do more and wear more hats and be of value, but if they put you in a peg hole and say, that's your job, don't, don't be messing around over here. For a small company, everybody wears different hats. For right. a large company, it's not necessarily, and I don't mean this in a mean way, unionized. Right. But everybody wants, you know, their accomplishments and jobs to be noted that, hey, I did this, so I did that, et cetera. Small companies, if they're run well, and, and ours is run very well, um, the owners reward you handsomely. And they're treated, you know, you know, like a king and a queen. And it should be. That's the way I would personally. Well, I did run the company for a while, and I, I did. I did tell my folks, you know, whatever tools you need, show me you need them, and what we're going to get from those tools, and you can have them. I'll support you 100. percent But I don't just give out tools. You know, when I say tools, I mean buying things that are for their job to make them more comfortable. If it's going to be something that produces more safer, faster, more efficient, whatever, then, yeah, so be it. It's easily said. Easily done. And, and, yeah, no, it's, you're right. And you've brought me back to what was my second point. You you did this on time. Is you can be somebody or you can do something. And I think it's from uh, Colonel John Boyd. And I think that it's better to do something, like be a man of value, of of, um, integrity, of, uh, Oh, what's it called? It, or if you're in prison, you're convicted to be a, a person of conviction, and not necessarily I'm going to kill you or blow myself up in that conviction, but oh, yeah. in in that a peaceful, I believe in this, I make this happen. Um, it it would almost be like okay, your brand, but not your brand because this is what you stand for. Like, um, my my word is Texas Oak, you know, or my, my word is strong like the rock or, you know, it's just what you bring to the table. And, and a lot of people, you know, want to be something. Well, how are you going to be something? You have to do something to be something. Yeah, you can't yeah, just be like yeah. a Kardashian and be like, look at me, I'm famous and I'm beautiful. What, what more do I have to do? Uh, don't get me started on that. I, <laughs> oh my gosh! And, and you know the sad part is there's people out there that will will follow and do things because part of society is you know me me me. You know I th- I think at the end of the day we teach tolerance and in teaching teaching tolerance we should be teaching um, what was I thinking of it's it's. Um, should be teaching manners instead of tolerance. In other words, hey, you know, uh, you get into a conversation, so, well, I identify as this, or, or what. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. Okay, fine, you identify with that, but just because I didn't know you identified with that doesn't mean you have to jump down my throat and ridicule me for not identifying you as who you think you are or believe you are or want to be identified as. So, you know what I mean? I yeah. mean, well, I, 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 yes. growing up, I knew people that were gay, uh, relatives and, and neighbors and stuff, but it's not something that you came out and said back then, but, you know, I accept people for who they are, but I don't need, to, they don't, those same people, they don't need to be identified as, oh, hi, Mr. So-and-so, yeah, Mr. Gay Guy, I mean, they don't need that necessarily, it seems like a lot of people just, hey, do you know who I am, I'm, I'm this or that, or you know, I want, it's just in your face kind of thing. Maybe that's the extreme side of, of some people, but uh. no, no, I'm I'm with you. So I mean, so say if I you say something to me and I go, well, I'm a woman, and you go, oh, okay. You shouldn't. You can't be offended the first time if the person just met you and doesn't know or understand or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Now, exactly. If every time I see you, I'm rude to you, and I and I say, then yes, then you can be offended because I I'm not giving you the proper respect. But I tell every if yeah. you treat everybody from airman to general with the same respect, yes sir, no sir, yes ma'am, no ma'am, yeah, male, female, it doesn't matter. Yeah, 
doesn't matter who you are, you, then there's no problem. No problem. No problem, right? Yep. So why is it so why is it such an issue today? Is it because the people don't want to identify them or is it because the conversation starts with that person who wants to be identified as something other than what they were born as? You know what I mean? Well, all right, so let me give you a for instance. So I have a friend um, she's, she's constantly dating and she has no luck. Uh, she sends me the pictures of these dudes and from a mile away, I'm like, no, he's not good. And, but she also, she's very into God. And so she's, uh, uh, abstinent, uh, anyway, she doesn't, God will, God will, God will, um, not supply. <laughs> God, God will provide for her. But, you know, she believes God will eventually find her someone, right? Well, so. well, not, not even that. I, well, I don't even know if she believes that, but, but we can get into that topic. No, what she, um, like, as soon as she meets him, she's like, I don't believe in premarital sex. God's important. And I tell her, I'm like, what you're doing is like putting down the gauntlet and saying it's like the, the guy who's a bad boy and tells the girl he's never settled down. He's never, And then a woman is going to try to settle you down. It's, it's She's putting out to these dudes, oh, well, this is my thing. And so I said, look, when you meet them. Don't even talk about sex. Don't talk about God. Don't let them talk about themselves. And then as they talk yeah. about themselves, you will hear them and you will because a person will tell you the truth. You just have to listen to them. And yeah. when they're telling yeah. you whatever, you'll know is this guy worth wasting your time or is this guy not worth wasting your time? And then you move on, but you don't the first thing out of your mouth isn't I believe in God and I don't have premarital sex because Basically, you've either all right. This guy's gonna be like, "Ooh, I'm going the other way," or this guy's like, "Ooh, I'm gonna get this. This is gonna be, you know, I'm gonna catch a big one." Yeah, and it's not to and it's not to say you sound crazy when you start off that way, but it does sound like okay. What is behind you saying that so hard and fast, and I don't even know you yet? That's, yes, that's the take I, I get right. I I would hate to hear that. I mean, my my. Silly answer would be okay. I believe in a God, or I believe in God too. But let's not get into which God and where is God and how often you talk to God or how often he talks to you. Let's not go there yet. Let's just okay, fine. You know, I mean, I think I I don't know about I can't make a blanket statement that says everybody knows there's there's a God. I can't say that because there's atheists, and, and for some reason they're atheists. They need proof, you know, because they, they haven't found anything yet. But, you know, in talking to our friend Siva, you know, he's he's very spiritual and, and religious, but he's not, you know, um, fanatic about anything. He's just seen things in his life, and as I have, and probably you, that they're miracles. It's like, well, someone had a hand in that, and it can't be explained. You know, it just can't be explained, and it, it, there's no other way to explain it. Whether it's your family, friend, doesn't matter who it is or, or yourself, but it, there is just a higher power somewhere that has led us down a path or through a path or these experiences or wherever they are. Looking back, I can kind of connect the dots. I mean, I, I grew up, you know, Catholic. You grew up Catholic, too, right? Yep. Um, but I think the worldly experiences we have, you know, around the world and different people definitely, definitely say something much bigger than, you know, not necessarily Catholicism. It just says something bigger out there. But Well, my, yeah. my godfather always explained to me, he's like, they're, they're all different paths to get to the same place, whether you're Protestant, yeah. Hindu, yeah. Muslim, yeah. Exactly. and God speaks to everybody differently. You know, so you, you pick something that works for you, and then I, th I think that I like the separation of church and state in that, you know, like, okay, I'm a good moral person, but I'm not throwing it down your, you know, and you don't have to worship a certain person. Everybody's free. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> my God is not better than your God, or my religion is not better than your religion. They're all the that same. does come up. It, it cracks me up. It's like... Why are you hating on my belief system? I'm not saying anything about yours, but yep. why are you hating on mine? I mean, yeah, if your religion calls for you to hate another religion, well, that's probably not the religion for me, but as long as you're nice to 
me. I don't, you know, and others and animals and whatever else. I don't, you know. Yep. I don't know. I, well, I, I think that we, it, in, in capitalism, there has to be a winner and a loser. I mean, I, I don't, we were talking about this the other day. It, yeah, it's the same yeah. thing in, in religion or in, this is why Americans don't like soccer, because it can tie. I've, I've heard so many people come up, what kind of a sport yeah, ties? Yeah. Well, you need to learn how to tie, because maybe we can both win. Right, it just says yeah, that today yeah. we were both like on our A game and amazing. I I like ties better than I do win, as long as it's not zero zero. Um, but I, yeah. I like a tie because then everybody won. Why can't we all yeah, celebrate? It's, 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 you know, I, I had a. I, sorry to interrupt you. I had a. I don't want to lose this thought. The same guy that was my neighbor. He said, "You know, you're gonna watch the football game. It was it was the you know Super Bowl." I said. Yeah, I'm hoping it was the Chargers at the time. Um, this was, oh gosh, 97, 98, somewhere in there. And I said, he said, well, yeah, I like both teams. I'm going to watch both teams because I get twice as much out of it. And I was <laughs> like, wow, that's, that's profound. You know, yeah. I, I never thought of that. I mean, everybody wants to pick a side and hate on the other players. But every, you know, you look at over a 10-year period, all their favorite players are gone. And now, you know, they're, they're playing for other teams and stuff. And now you hate that guy that used to play on the team you like. Yep. And when, when does it end? And furthermore, if you look at a boxing match, you got both, both or MMA, you got both those guys praying to God that, you know, he doesn't get hurt and he wins and he wants to win. And they're both asking the same thing in the same ring. Yeah. So. How's God supposed to choose that? You God, know, God or, sits or, those you know, out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, okay, you guys are on your own. You know, you, I mean, well, you, you, uh, we could go on for hours. The. The people, well, the back to the sports analogy. That's what almost people have become on their political belief, or their or their yeah, religious belief. Yeah. Everything is this is my team. And and I think back to Maya Angelou talking about how our differences are less than the things that we have in common. We have more in common. No, well, we we live on yeah. a planet in a solar system that's you know we're all people. We've all got this. the The possibilities and the things that we all share in common are so much more than our differences. Yeah, and I think you know you're talking about politics. The way the way I see Trump as what he did for politics, you know, made it more of an autocratic, you know, um, leadership style that he had. I think he separated, whether it's on purpose or not, but he separated the people into a class. Everyone all of a sudden was a class of people as opposed to Republican, Democrat, or, or whatever. Right. I think I think that's where everything went because, yeah, I'm I'm not there with him on that that extreme side, obviously, or even remotely. But I look at what did he do? What didn't he do? I mean, there's things that he did and didn't do that we talked about, you know, a while back. That I was like, okay, this is good. He's tackling China. You know, China's, you know, plan. You know, for the hundred year hundred year plan and their. Um, one belt, one road planned. Right. We talked about that. We talked about the highway. Yep. You know, then, and I was just reading also about China's plan to put military bases along these, these super roads around, around the world because they're basically giving support and charity to these countries. Djibouti was the first base they, they built a, a Chinese base at. But mm-hmm. as they go around the world, and they create these economic infrastructure support systems for these third world, second world countries, they're now being their friends and getting their foot in the door, and now they're going to create bases to defend those properties or establishments, and that's part of their plan. That's part of their huge plan. So that's going to be something to really watch out for, and that's where not necessarily Trump, you know, talked about that, but they are becoming... Well, they are. You know, we're not the superpower we think we are, and we're definitely not cohesive in our mind to think like China has or is. 
you know, with their acceptance of, you know, a free, free, you know, enterprise with them all over the world. They're, wow, I don't even want to think about that. And 2049, I think, is their timeline for that 100-year, you know... Um, Read their plan? 100, 100-year plan. So that's kind of interesting. I mean... Well, think of Walmart all over the world, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's it's what we did in the '40s when we put bases everywhere. We got, I mean, where don't we have mm-hmm. a base? And and then yeah. as we've gotten super carriers, we don't need the bases so much because you've got an entire city on a floating, so it can go anywhere. I mean, the so yeah. they they've taken our plan and and made it better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, because they actually have invested. I mean, yeah, we, we have a base in Germany, Italy, France, wherever. And that piece of land makes an economic, you know, um, power for them to, to live off, you know, what we spend there, et cetera. But to have an actual, you know, roads and property all along these, these roads all over the world yeah. and bases close to those to protect, you know, their interests... That's yeah. That's two steps, three steps ahead of what we were thinking. Because we don't, we had nothing to do with the infrastructure for the superpower to deliver their goods right. and control things around the world. We we're basically thinking of invasions. You yeah. know, we want to be part of this country and be friends. Well, okay, that's just the military side. Now they have the commercial side and the military side right. in mind. And in the new. The new NATO could be China-led, you know, but it's more of a conglomeration of business and military. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's, it's going to be crazy. It will be crazy. Well, all right, so how come there can't be, I mean, so I, I guess we, well, all right, so think, before us, the leading superpower was England, uh, and then... World War Two happens, and then we become the world's leading superpower because everybody else has been wiped out, and and now here we are. Not necessarily World War Three or whatever, but the the computers, the internet, the business, the like you said, we don't build anything here, but now we can't build anything in China where it used to be our um, cheap for everything and so then they got smart and said, well, why are we building their stuff for them when we can build our stuff for us? And and then you know. It, it's like being the younger brother. You watch your older brother make mistakes, and he's, and then you're yeah, like, okay, yeah. I've learned his lessons, and I go around, and you you do things better. Yeah, and and politics in our in our side, politics get in the way of you know he's doing what and look what I did, you know, et cetera, forgetting about the bigger picture, the global picture. You know, right. when people are like, hey, we spend too much money on the military. Well, there's there's it's not just the military might that we are trying to impress upon the world its relationships and we'll protect you kind of thing, right? Right. Whereas China's like, fine, go protect them, but I'm going to be building in all these countries and doing in Russia too. Russia's, you yeah. know, taking over wherever they can, but hell, China's building cities out of nowhere in the middle of the ocean. <laughs> right, <laughs> yeah, making those reefs. Right? Yeah. And then all of a sudden there's an island and a base and you can't you yeah. can't drive your boat through there anymore. Yeah, and and what are we doing about nothing? It just it's like everything's pop, 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 pop. Yeah. So it's uh, yeah, you got uh, everything from fishing to flying over. All of a sudden, now the, the international waters. What is the international waters like? How many miles? A hundred miles or fifty miles? Or I, what, you know, yeah, it's something. A hundred plus miles out is international waters. So now they got a hundred miles all around that island uh, as well. Yeah. You know? So look at all the fishing territory that's now gone or lost because they just gobbled that up. Just said, oh, thank you very much. We'll take that." So because we all need to learn to play chess and not checkers. Well, we we did have. 
Oh, I was going to say, I, I wanted to get into pebble accretion, too. I mean, there's 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 oh. all kinds of topics that we will eventually get into. And if we could do this maybe in a week or two, um, I yeah, would love to. Yeah, let's do, let's do a part two, because um, as far as I'm concerned, we can talk about the pebble accretion and relationships and how relationships, obviously, this all ties together with, with helping one another. And, and up, up to a certain point, right? You can't drain somebody just because you have a goal and, you know, you're going to suck them dry. Stick a straw in their head and suck out all the information. But um, there's also a, a movement right now with history with identifying why history promoted only white America and gave white America credit when, you know, it's like the movie, um, the NASA movie uh, with... Um, the mathematicians. Uh, what was it called? Oh, um, uh, was that the one with? Um... Oh, hidden figures, hidden figures, hidden figures. Oh, right, right. Great movie, mm-hmm. great movie. You know, finally, people that did the work are getting credit, and those are non-white people. Gotcha. And now they're talking about it wasn't Thomas Edison that invented the light bulb necessarily. It was the guy that invented the filament that went into the light bulb that made it possible for everyday households to use mm. the light bulb. And that was an African-American. So I think there's going to be a movement. I'll do a little bit of search here to, to come up with a couple things um, on inventions that were actually not white America. But, but white America took credit for it. Right. right. So how many... This, this, yeah. How many people do you know, white, black, brown, whatever, that steal the credit for something that they didn't do, period? I mean, yeah, that, well, that's the movement. That's what, I'm, that's what I'm starting to read and see is these people are now getting credit, and uh, rightly so, yeah. you know, but it comes down to, you know, when people talk about retribution and and slave ownership and property ownership. I don't know. I, I cannot say for sure. I don't think there was slavery on the, slavery on the West Coast. But those people probably had relatives way back then. And people say, well, why should we give, you know, money to a family that's six generations in? They weren't slavery. They didn't get hurt. But it, the fact is, and it was very clear, is those families that did have slave owners that were their relatives are families that are very, very wealthy, but they only became wealthy because of their relatives. So that money that they've been living on, it doesn't matter who it is at the end of the day, but that that's what they're talking about, or what some people are talking about is your family's wealth sends back five generations. Right. When it was my family for three generations that were fucking slaves, Excuse my, my French there. I got you. Is that French? It's fuck French. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's English. Fabulous, the fabulous, word. The fabulous word, but I don't think it's French. <laughs> anyway, but that's what they're talking about is, yeah, there's no slavery today per se, but you made all this wealth that you're still living off because of my relatives. Yes. And that's, that's the key there, is, you know. Anyway, well, let's have a part two. You call it. All right, we'll have a part two um, next week. We'll get this together and we'll do it again. Yeah, pebble accretion. Pebble accretion. And and uh, relationships. Relationships. And, and a little bit of history was written by the winners, but uh, or the people that, that took credit for it, but now we're trying to find the people who actually did the work. Yes, yes. Awesome. So that is um, historical... Historical, uh, what do we want to title that? We'll call it Revisionist History. <laughs> yeah, Historical Invention Revisions. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, uh, we'll say goodbye okay. to these guys, and then we'll I'll, I'll stop the recording, and then we can uh, say goodbye. But So thank you very much, Mark. I, I always love talking to you, and I always have a good time. And if anybody wants to see – well, you won't see Mark, but you can hear us talking – um, in Malibu, Ma- uh, Mark went with me when I went Lachey. Uh, he's been there for a lot of important moments in my life, and uh, and we have a couple of them recorded. So I'll, maybe I'll put some links down below. But thank you very much for your time, and it, it's always a pleasure and an honor. And you blow me away with your friendship, so I thank you for it. And thank you as well. Ditto to you too. All that mushy stuff. Um, <laughs> people don't. And and this is part of that. Uh, the next topic, you know, pebble accretion, which I I was reading something about NASA, and we'll we'll get into that and, and how that relates to Mike and I and our friends. But 
Uh, absolutely a pleasure to be on your, your podcast. First time for me being on your podcast. And I look forward to the, the next the next rounds, if you will, to talk about stuff. And then again, you know, it's I love I love learning stuff and learning new stuff and um, I'm gonna have to bone up on stuff which I love doing to go a little bit deeper into this historical invention revisions for um the people that are, are well overdue for credit where credit is due, you know. So. Well who awesome. who yawn, thank you. <laughs>